This is the, the most important time of our week. I have this analogy about our spirit. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and receive the forgiveness of your sin, your spirit is made alive. It's alive. You're born again. And uh, can you imagine a balloon? I'm sure all of us have blown up a balloon or held a balloon in our hand, and they're just such a tiny little thing in our hand. But once air is breathed into it, it expands. Now that we're together, it's the activity of the Holy Spirit that breathes into our spirit, causing our spirit to get strong and bigger. And when our spirit becomes big and it's encouraged and it's fed, it gets large. And what happens? Our thoughts are different. We begin to understand what God's saying to us. We begin to understand the different things God is asking for us. We're beginning to understand in a greater way the things that God wants us to let go of. And so today, you know, I know the offering's going on, and I just want you to kind of present your heart to the Lord today. And ask God to feed you today. Ask God to put his finger on anything that's keeping you from growing and surrender it to him so that he can keep growing your spirit and making you strong. Lord, we ask for the activity of your Holy Spirit to come and penetrate our hearts today. Lord, we know this time with you is is short, Lord, but we're asking for a maximum effort. We're asking that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said in that prayer, Lord, to pray daily, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be filled. Let us be empowered. Let us be strengthened. Let us see our gifts. God, let our gifts be empowered. Lord, wash away our sins. Cleanse our minds. Renew our minds to your truth. Change us in ways that we cannot change ourselves. Encourage us. Lord, let that word about joy come to us, that we might experience the joy down deep in our heart, down deep in our spirit, that overrides our feelings and emotions, overrides the negative situations and the things that the enemy would use to destroy us and discourage us. Lord, even take the people that are on our hearts that are, we're concerned about, Lord, and we can't do anything but pray for them. But, Lord, that's the most powerful thing that we can do. We pray for those who, who are in our lives and those that we love, that you would get a hold of them, that would, you would continually convict them and change them and cause them to grow. I pray for a fresh download of your presence upon the babies in the nursery, on our kids at Kids Church, on our toddlers that are, are in the preschool. We're asking for every person and every family member to be touched today, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Uh, I talked to my son, you know, last year, last uh, May in, the, in 2013, we went down and watched my son do a half marathon down in Solvang. And so I was talking to Ben yesterday, and he was talking about, hey, I just registered next year. I'm coming up, and I'm going to do the Big Sur Marathon. I'm going to do the whole thing. And as we've talked, Ben, over the years about, yes, he was training and, and uh, you know, eating, and we've watched a, some clip of some movie about, you know, doing a carbo load where you have a lot of carbohydrates so that you can run the race. I want to talk about a carbo load to start off today, that you need a carbo load for your spirit. You need a fresh download of the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh food from the Word of God to feed your spirit so that you can grow it strong. Uh, the only thing I'm interested in, you guys, is that you grow strong spiritually. You get big spiritually because out of that comes every other thing all other growth, all other blessing, all other understanding of your purpose, all understanding of freedom that is in Christ Jesus. So be open to just keep growing in your spirit. I kind of wish we had stairs in the middle. I might have to put a ladder there. Okay, now, in 1921, a new bread was brought to the world. And that bread, in its time, was advertised as the greatest bread on earth. In fact, this bread is still almost, it's 93 years this bread has been uh, being baked and made, 
and distributed, but it's been replaced by a lot of other breads. You know, uh, you know in uh, every generation or, or dur during every season, there is uh, certain things that are focused on. We're told, this, this is it. You get this, you're going to get your best nutrients. You, you buy that, you eat that, you're going to get everything your body needs. How many know what kind of bread I want to show you? Wonder bread! What about wonder bread is it? That's what we know nowadays, Dean. It's supposed to build your body's 12 ways, right? Wonder bread. Well, I want to talk about the wonder bread of the Word of God. Because even as wonder bread has far outpassed or outlived its advertising and its nutritional abilities, the Word of God remains the same. The Word of God is the same as the men in the Old Testament wrote it down as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and same as those in the New Testament who were inspired by the, by the presence of the Holy Spirit to write down the words of Jesus and to write down the commands and the instructions for us as Christians to have food that would cause us to grow spiritually. Our key verse today is Matthew 4, 3 and 4, and it's not an unfamiliar verse to most of us as Christians. In the context of this, Jesus had been very hungry himself, being tested after his water baptism, after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had been in the wilderness, and Satan was trying to give him a new doctrine. He was trying to eradicate the doctrine of God and the Word of God that was in his heart. He was preaching a manipulative, controversial, divisive message. And so the tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. Hmm, I wonder if Jesus would have liked the slice of Wonder Bread back then. But Jesus replied, It has been written, again, God's word that Jesus used in response to the temptation, Man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by Wonder Bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And I just want to encourage you in the Word of God. I want to encourage you in your individual study and your consuming of the wonder bread of life, which is the Word of God. Because as you take in the Word of God, you are feeding your spirit. You may not understand it, but if you keep reading, you're going to feed your spirit. That's where Christ lives. That's where He's breathing life into that balloon of your spirit to cause you to grow and become strong. The Word of God is going to change your thinking. It's going to change your belief system. It's going to eradicate the worldly belief systems, systems and alternatives that the world offers us as truth. And we know truth in the world is always changing. It's constantly changing. Just like we, we talked about bread a little while ago. Uh, how many breads? Maybe you guys could shout out the different breads that are supposedly the best bread now. Whole wheat bread, sprouted wheat, all those kind of things that they tell us you've got to have. But in two or three months, there'll probably be a new thing that they say we need. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is what we need. The Holy Spirit is the mouth of God through the Word of God that's going to cause you to have revelation and understanding as God builds the Word of God inside of you. And that Word of God spoken from His mouth it is what makes things alive for us and helps, helps us to understand and help us, helps us to hear in our spirit what God's saying or even to bring discernment or understanding about what the Word is trying to reveal to us as, as we read it. Jesus is also known as the bread of life. He's spiritual life, and he's eternal life. In John 6, 48-50, that whole chapter, Jesus talked a lot, a lot about bread and the analogy 
of how bread is that sustainer for life. And he said, I am the bread of life that gives life. I am the living bread. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But this bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and never die. Whatever we don't feed dies. And so it's so important that we keep feeding ourselves. I hope you're not living on just this few minutes we have each Sunday or the little nuggets you get on Wednesday. But I hope daily you're finding a time to get with God so that you can input into your spirit. I know there's going to be a lot of things that try to take you away from growing, but if you're not feeding, you're starving. And me too. In Amos 8.11, it talks about some of the days that we're living in. Again, busy days, distracting days, days when there's all kinds of truth, days when you can hear all kinds of messages about the Bible. But there's nothing like digging in for yourself and reading the Word of God. I hope there's some young person in here today who um, hasn't been reading the Bible, and I hope you will take a challenge and start reading the Bible. I remember being 13 years old in my Baptist church, and my pastor encouraging us to read the Bible. And from that Sunday on, I started reading the Bible myself. In fact, I started packing a New Testament. Even in high school, I packed a New Testament. And at lunchtime or break time, I'd get my homework done, but I always would crack open the New Testament and read about the Word of God. I would take in constantly the Word of God. When I was at work and I started my janitor job for five and a half years, every break time, every lunchtime, I would open my Bible and I would read the Word of God. I didn't always understand was, what I was reading. I often read the same things over and over again. I didn't get really intellectually into trying to figure it out. I just kept eating. At my lunchtime, I ate my sandwich, but I ate the Word of God. What was I doing? I was feeding my spirit. I was sending in truckloads of construction material for the Holy Spirit to use at any given time when I needed a certain truth. The Word of God was there, and the Holy Spirit began to use that Word, began to convict me at times of different things, why? So that he could direct me and shape me and motivate me and move my life down the road that he had for me. Amos 8, 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine in the land, not a famine for bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. Oh, the cry of our heart, the more you taste of Jesus, the more you experience Jesus in your personal life, there becomes a cry of your heart, a hunger. God, feed me the word of God. God, feed me your truth. God, reveal yourself to me. I need to know you. I need to understand who you are. I understand that, the, that life is passing off. I, I understand there's a lot of different directions and a lot of different motivations and a lot of things beckoning me to follow and to go a different way. But when you feed your spirit, there creates a hunger and a love of God that asks for more. It asks, God, will you feed me? When you read the word, you're, there's going to be something that ignites in your heart that says, God, will you feed me the truth that I need today? Lord, you know the situations I'm going through. You know the problems I'm facing. You know the relational issues that I'm looking towards or, or the things I'm weighing, the decisions I, I'm weighing in, in my mind and in my heart. And Lord, I can't discern what you have for me. I, I can't discern or understand exactly what you want to say to me. But Lord, feed me. And when you pray and talk to God like that, when you're reading the word of God like that, a still small voice will come. The Lord will lead you in a direction you want to go, He wants you to go. Or you might just say, I'm not hearing anything, and you'll start stepping out. But as you're going, and even as you're in the middle of something, and it's wrong, the Lord is going to speak to you and say, don't go this way. That's what happens because you feed your spirit. That's become 
that, that's what happens when we get strong in our spirit. Very popular in our society. A lot of our women are faced with this. I want to ask the question, are you dieting? We're always dieting to lose weight. Don't put your spirit on a diet. Don't just have a little snack with Jesus. Don't let this Sunday be a little snack. Don't diet. Your spirit cannot handle dieting. Your spirit will die. If you don't feed your spirit, what's going to get stronger? Your mind, will, and emotions, your soul is going to rise up and it's going to keep kicking your spirit to the curb and say, you know, I don't really need that, God. I really don't need that truth. No, I'm going to go do my own thing. What happens? We go out, we do our own thing, we fall short, we get into sin, or we do something, and we realize, I'm in a worse mess than ever. In fact, if you're battling any sins or any strongholds, keep feeding the word in. Keep asking for that repentance. Why? Because as, the, as your spirit gets stronger, it gets stronger over your soul. It gets stronger over the strongholds because you start praying and using the God factor to drive out the enemy where he's built strongholds, where he's built those things in your life that you know are wrong, but you keep giving yourself into or to. Come to Jesus for life. Jesus said in John 5, 20 and 21, and again, I'm reading out the Amplified unless I say differently. Jesus said to the Jews, You search and investigate and pour over the Scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very Scriptures testify of me. And still, you are not willing but refuse to come to me so that you might have life. So again, that difference between just being religious and reading the Word and not letting the Word grab a hold of your heart, your spirit. Letting the Word of God grow so deeply and so richly in you that it's changing the way you think, especially the thing about attitudes lately. You know, we can be strong Christians, but we have to deal with attitudes constantly. Even attitudes about coming to church. I have to deal with attitudes about coming to church. And because I, I struggle with depression and oppression, those kind of feelings, I have to struggle that I don't go by that. But you know how I overcome depression? You know how I overcome not having a lot of good feelings? My spirit. My spirit. I've learned over the years to grow my spirit that I can see that separation to, to, to my natural man and where, where my soul is and my feelings and live separately. I can rise above my soul with my spirit because I connect with God. I'm leaning on the Word of God. I'm leaning on the truths of God that tell me that my, it go across my feelings. My, my mind, my will, or emotions are sending me messages. Oh, you don't feel good. Oh, you don't feel happy. And I'm thinking, I'm happy in Jesus. God is with me. God's answering my prayers. God said he'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm not alone. I don't have to trust those feelings. Why? Because those feelings don't change. But circumstances, they don't line up with the negative feelings. You know, you start building a little history with God. You can start battling your mind and the thoughts and the feelings. You start taking back your life because why? There's a new place that's alive. It's your new man. And you're more alive than ever before as you're growing in your spirit, as you're getting strong in the Lord. Here's something I wrote down. I'm here to tell you God wants to put spiritual weight on you. He wants to put spiritual weight on you. I want you to gain weight. Some of you might be thinking, oh, don't say that to me. I want you to put on spiritual girth. I want you to get so round in the spirit, so full in the spirit, that you're overcoming. 
that you're grabbing hold of the joy that Lita talked about. And it's a joy that rises above the things that would uh, be troubling you. And it's a joy that, that is greater because you can rise above the fluctuation in emotional joys and highs. It's the joy that's going to help you keep committed in your marriage. It's the joy that's going to see your problems that you're going through them and they're not just something that is always on you or something that's not going to change. It can help you see that I'm on my way through something and that means I'm going to be able to see God doing something in the midst of the most horrendous circumstances or the most negative feelings that you might be going through. I want to shift gears now. And uh, I want to talk about a world war. When there's a world war, there is, everyone's involved. My mom used to talk about when World War II happened, the effects of everyone versus the wars we've had since World War II. We've had Korea, we've had all kinds of wars in the Middle East, Vietnam. We call them police actions. You know, the people who were over there knew they were in a war. People were shooting at them. They were shooting at people. People were getting shot. They knew they were away from family and friends and everything that was good. And their families knew they were over there. But the rest of us, we just go on living. My mom said the effects of war, everyone felt. Everyone felt the negative atmosphere of war. They felt the oppression that if we don't get this thing done, if we don't get rid of these adversaries, it could affect the whole world. The whole world could lose their freedom. There was a cost in being in a world war. There was a cost of rationing. All the major foods were rationing. Sugar. They had drives. They had to collect rubber. You didn't just throw your shoes away. You made sure they got recycled so that they could remanufacture it for the war production. Metal. You didn't throw your metal in the garbage. They collected all the metals. Even your metal from every tin can you opened for your meals was collected so that they could put it into back into the steel works to make more weapons and things that they needed to win the war. I have to remind you, you're in a spiritual war. You're in a universal war. You're in a, a war that's watched from the heavens, that's being dealt with with Satan and the demonic forces that are working to destroy men and women, that are working to take over people's minds, their bodies, and their will. And it's a war that goes on constantly. But we as Christians have to get the mindset that we are in a war. And if we realize we're in a war, that we, we know we have to build ourselves up spiritually. We have to continually grow strong in our spirit. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. Doesn't mean you can't go on vacation this year. But it means that you're constantly aware that you're serving God. And there's an incredible spiritual war going on. And you're a vital, you're vital material. You're a vital person in this war because God wants to use you as you're growing and overcoming because God can use who you are and your gifts to influence and affect another person to come to Christ. You must get tired of hearing me use this scripture. War, 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 war. Bruce Weekly, you remind us, war. It's a good war. It's a war that's been won. But our growing spiritually and overcoming things makes us victorious and makes the positive part of this war very good because people are getting free. People are walking out of sin and bondage and addictions and strongholds. They're restoring relationships. They're restoring and making amends with people that they hurt, showing that they are truly different people. Sin causes a 4F classification. 
And if you had to go through any kind of uh, classification waiting when you went through the draft and you, you had to register at 18, 4F means you're not fit for service. I don't need you. No. In God's army, no one, no one is to stay in a 4F classification. No one is to stay unfit for God's use in his army. In Hebrews uh, 12, 2, Paul writes, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so easily and readily, deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patience and endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. You know, we talked about uh, repentance last week, and I feel like there's just a little carryover or review. We can go along as Christians passively for a number and a length of time, and all of us are aware of those little things that are just keeping us from being on the cutting edge of what God wants. Keeping our spirit being in control versus our feelings and emotions and our soul, our flesh that loves to sin. It was born to sin, it lived for sin, and Satan wants to re-enlist it into sin. It's an ongoing work that God is helping us through the Holy Spirit to remember the freedom that was brought for us and, and worked out in us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So let me ask you this question. What sin am I to strip off? What is that thing? In James 4, 17, James, Jesus' brother, wrote, Any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it, to him that is sin. It's one thing, you know, for us not to be, you know, oh, say you're in this sin or that sin. No, 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 no. We don't have to judge each other. But your active relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, because he's in you and he likes to clean house, he should be showing you what he wants to work on. And all we have to do is bring those things to him and submit ourselves to him and ask the Holy Spirit to change us. I like to call the Holy Spirit our Mary Maid. Anybody ever use Mary Maid to clean your house? Man, for hardly any money to come in and you wonder, wow, I didn't realize that was the color pink. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is your Mary Maid to convict you of sin. Oh, man, convict me of sin? Conviction, not condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts. Why? He says, this is what I want to work on. This is what I want you to surrender. And when you do, you're removing something that's hindering you that you can grow and that you can even be used more by God. The Word of God tells us that sins separate us from God. There's gray areas that must be dealt with, but it comes by personal conviction. Again, that scripture in James to the person, to any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him that is sin. And so I love it that the Holy Spirit is personally walking us through what he wants of us. And the Word of God is a big part of that, because as we read the Word of God, we understand what God's will is, what sin is. And so the Word of God helps us examine our heart, and the Word of God is what helps renew our thinking and, and starts creating a desire to change. Remember repentance last week? It means to think after. Repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. 
And that great scripture I gave you, 2 Corinthians 7, 10, godly grief and the pain God has permitted to direct and produce, it produces, it, it directs his directive, but it produces repentance. That's kind of strange how huh? we like, wow, God, God's okay with me to be in pain? Yes. In the area of repentance, God wants you to feel pain. Why? Pain's going to have you back out. Pain goes, ouch, that hurts. Why? What do we do? We're always trying to alleviate pain. We're trying to step back from pain. And so when we're, we're feeling pain about something we're doing, that is the work of the Holy Spirit working repentance. And when you see that happening, and I, I want you not to run from the pain, but thank God for the pain. Say, God, increase the pain. Why? Because it's going to increase your hatred of that whatever that is that the Holy Spirit's trying to separate you from. Why? Because when you're done with that thing, you're going to have more joy, more freedom, more of the Holy Spirit, more of your gifts. You're going to feel the grace and peace of God because you surrendered to what God's wanting to do in your life. Repentance is God's power of deliverance from evil that se and separating us from sin. In grace, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, Paul the Apostle writes, You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which is Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It's interesting that, that Satan is working in the areas of our disobedience or that we, in the places that we're sinned. Every time we're in a sin that we know that sin, we're giving Satan access to our mind, our will, and our emotions. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and the thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But because of the great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. That's pretty cool, huh? Here we were, stuck in sin, stuck in strongholds, but while we're in this condition, God said, they need help. I'm going to go rescue them. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to bring repentance to them. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to give them the powerful grace, which is God's ability to change us. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Those are the places we rise up even in earth right now. When we, when we grow strong in our spirit and we grow strong in our confidence in God, that's when we rise against the temptations. We rise against the distractions. We rise against the negative feelings. We, we rise against those things even in our relationships where we're tempted to get angry or be mean. We can rise above in our spirit and give love to people. When, we, when right there, our flesh is ready to go off or we're ready to say, I'm done with you. I'm done with this. There's a grace that can come over you and say, I love you. I'm committed to you. I believe God's working in our lives. I believe things are going to get better. You know, we're in the process of changing. We're not who we were, you know. I know I hurt you. I know I've been hurt. I know I didn't understand what I was doing. Will you forgive me? I'm in a process. I'm surrendering to change. That's grace at work. Verse 7, in order that in the coming ages and might sh that they might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through your faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that you could do so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
when God prepared in advance for us to do. There's a whole list of things that God wants you to do, and when you do them, there's such an affirmation, such, a, such an endorsement comes from the Holy Spirit, such an arm coming around you like uh, of just validating you, and it comes by the Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't have to toot your own horn, but when you do those things that you were created to do, there just comes such a great satisfaction in your heart when you're living for God and doing those things. Romans 6, 2. What shall we say then to all this grace? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace and favor and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in, in it any longer? In James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Don't resist God. And he, the devil, will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, moral, mourn, and wail. Again, he's implying and telling us to keep using that gift of repentance. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up and put that smile back on your face. Stand. In Galatians 5.1, stand in what Jesus has done for you. Today, you might have to just make a stance. You know, you've been going a certain way. You've been played, but you've been water baptized. You accepted Jesus, but you've been letting Satan work things in your life that you know are wrong. Why don't you stand up to say, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going there anymore. You're not using me. You're not using my mind, my emotions, my will, my body. You're not stealing my spirit. No, get out. When you start standing up like that, there might be a little resistance for a while, but I tell you, the Holy Spirit sees your, the intent of your heart. I tell you, the enemy starts backing off, and something inside of you, your spirit starts rising up, and you think like, why did I sit under that so long? Why did I let Satan run my house for so long? Oh, it, it brings such an excitement about your Christian life. Get in line, wire. The most important, one of the most important parts, too, is that we're gaining the spiritual sensitivity. sensitivity. Again, as, our, as we're growing in our spirit, there's a spiritual sensitivity growing. You know, we can go through different things in our life, different emotions, different experiences, and already our, we can read people, we can, our body memories, we can read things, and there's a sensitivity that can be growing just by natural, um, natural experiences. But as you grow in the spirit, as you feed your spirit and you're getting strong and you're walking in the obedience of God, you're walking as a believer, you're nurturing your relationship with God, I tell you, a discernment, a spiritual sensitivity grows up in you, and that's what you need. In this generation, in this time of, of the world and history, we need sensitivity. We need to be able to recognize what God's saying when he's saying it, when he's saying stop, when he's saying don't go, or when he's saying don't rush out. He could be saving you from an accident, from being in crossfire somewhere. You don't know. We've got to grow in the spiritual sensitivity. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14. Everyone who partakes only in milk. I just want to say, did you notice Norm Phillips is here? Thank you for the answer to prayer. Thank you for the miracles. I was happy to sit across from Norm last night and watch him eat a piece of meat. Everyone who partakes only in milk, a non-meat eater, is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, 
That is, those who have, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Some of you young people, you need to feed your spirit. The enemy wants to take you down a path that could destroy your life, take you out of the game, or, or get you on a, on a path that's so destructive that you'll miss out on what your original calling is. Don't let the enemy have you. Be a mediator. Can we talk a minute for about obedience? God freed our will so that we could respond to him in obedience. Where we have problem with, with obedience is, as Christians is that our flesh and where the enemy tries to play on us in, our, in the natural world, we feel like every time we obey God, we feel like it's not with our will. We feel like this resistance. And sometimes we confuse the resistance we feel with our spiritual nature. <laughs> not necessarily that's what's happening. What's happening is our flesh, our strong connection to this world, our strong independence, our strong rebellion that the Holy Spirit is working out of us because we're walking with Him. So get a new understanding of obedience. If you're doing things that God wants and, and it feels hard, that's okay. But keep asking for the right attitude as Jerry brought out in that mini-sermon today. Keep having the right attitude that you're doing what God wants and say, God, please help me to have the right attitude. I, I want to love you with all my heart, my soul, my might, my strength with all my body. Will you help me? And God will help you. But get a new understanding of what obedience is. And Jesus did not beg people to respond to an invitation to follow him. He, he, he allowed people to use their will. I think about um, uh, opportunity. Um, we are so, you know, we are so blessed to live post-Jesus walking the earth. We are so blessed. Jesus walking along. Do you want to get saved? Do you want to be healed? He's gone. People had moments of opportunity to grab hold and respond to Jesus. I mean, sometimes, you know, we get a decision. We think, well, do I? I don't know. Should I? I don't know. Should I stay home? Yeah, there's a game on today. Uh, say yes to the dress is playing another d marathon. Uh, hmm. Uh, oh, I'm thanking God for grace. The Holy Spirit is now on the earth extending grace, extending opportunities. Some of us had so many opportunities. Some of us could raise hand and talk about, oh man, it took me so long to come to Jesus. He was trying to get me for a long time, but I was so resistant. Oh man, I'm thankful that we can get up every day and if even been, we've been walking in some sins and kind of distant from God, we can respond today. We can say, God, I'm so sorry. God, I want repentance. I want to be full on with you. I want everything that you have for me. Forgive me for not being obedient. Forgive me for not taking uh, advantage of the opportunity that you give me now in this moment. Um, I want to offer you again repentance. If you feel like you're not progressing, it only takes a few minutes to just put everything aside. You know what, God? I feel like I'm, I'm stuck. God, I feel like I'm just passive. I feel like I've gotten just lazy. I feel like there's not a real hunger in my heart for you anymore. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I go to church. I, I may even pick up my Bible or not pick it up. God, will you forgive me? Will you help me? You loved me. You died for me. I, I know there's strong resistance in my five senses, in my mind, will, and emotions. Will you help me? It only takes a minute, and you just feel something adjusting in your heart. You feel that tenderness come back in your heart, and in a moment, your heart is connecting with God again, and you say, thank you, Jesus, that I haven't left you. God, will you now work on these areas? God, I'm ready. I'm tired of doing the same old thing. I'm tired of not progressing spiritually. 
you know, sometimes we want things to move forward in the natural. But a lot of times things that are not moving forward in their natural are hints on what we're doing spiritually. If we're not growing, if we're not putting God first. You know, some, some people want to get married. You know, I mean, you know there's all kinds of uh, internet things and everything. But I tell you, if you put God first and you say, God, I want to be married and I want someone who's going to be faithful and honest. And you say, God, I have to trust this in your hands. I tell you, God can do it. God can do it. Because why? Because he cares about you. He loves you. It says he will not withhold one good thing for those who walk uprightly. And he's the one that gives us power to walk uprightly. Here's another little bit about obey. I wonder if I'll get to my message today. Maybe not. John 14, 23 through 24, Jesus said, If a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obey my teachings, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our special dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. And I think because we don't always feel that love, and especially when we're talking about obeying God, or maybe even talking about obeying God by, you know, we're going to present God some little sins, little things that are tripping us up, it can feel like obedience is not obedience. Like, like our will is not free. But in Christ, the first thing Jesus did when we accepted him was he freed us in our will because he saved us from our sins and all the unrighteousness. And so our will is free. Again, even though the enemy might try to make us feel like it's not because God is asking you to do something that is challenging us and it's crossing the purposes because the things that Satan wants us to do are not honoring God. And so know when you take steps to obey the word of God and to walk in obedience, you may not feel like it, but your will totally is free when you give yourself into that place of obedience. Obedience is not something that we have to do in order to please the Lord. Obedience to the Lord is something that we do because we love him and he loves us. Again, I think it takes only a minute sometimes to say, God, I'm struggling of doing this thing I know you want me to do. I'm struggling, Lord, and I'm using my will against you. And here you love me and here you die for me and here you have a better plan. I know that somehow I know that in my heart you have a better plan, but I'm not trusting you. I'm not able to let go of this thing, whatever it is that's keeping me from being in the center of your will. Will you help me? James 1.20 talked about practice. A man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. So get rid of all uncleanness and rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. So again, how I've encouraged you to carb a load on the word of God, to pack it in there, forget about, you know, fear of carbs right now, pack in the word of God, eat the word of God, it's bread, it's pasta, it's pastry, it's donuts, it's cookies. Oh my. Carboload on the word of God. Feed your heart with the word of God. God will put in you the ability to do his will. And then once you start doing God's will and you step out of different places where you've had strongholds, you've been passive, then you begin to walk in that freedom and you feel the difference. Maybe uh, E, could you come up? Wow. John 14, 21, Jesus said, The person who has my commandments and keeps them is one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him 
and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. There is nothing like experiencing God. There's nothing like being touched by the Holy Spirit. Will you stand? Lord, we just uh, simply trust the truth, Lord, that um, was from your word today. And Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon every one of us today because you know exactly what we need. I'm asking that you would just fill our spirit. Lord, blow up this balloon. Blow up this spirit to make it fuller, stronger, more sensitive to you, more full of your love, more full of the ability to trust you. God, you know the, the little sins, the little things, the, the things that, that we're supposed to flee. We're asking for the grace and the ability to flee from them, to leave them. And for those things, Lord Jesus, where we need the pain and the working of repentance, we're asking for that gift this morning. Lord, before we leave, let our heart connect. Let us continually be changed. And let us be filled to be your witnesses out in this world. I pray you look at each heart, Lord. Touch those who are in pain, those who are in brokenness, those who are in questions, Lord, about what to do, where to go. Those who have heavy hearts about situations and people, we're asking that you would minister to them and lift them up. In Jesus' name.